Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. We're going to welcome in our first guest of the program. He's got a new book coming out this coming week called 62. It's about Aaron Judge. He covers the Yankees for MLB. He is Brian Hoke, and Brian joins us here on The Fan. Brian Peter Schwartz here. How are you? Peter, what's happening? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for spending uh, a few minutes with us. We'll we'll get to what's going on with with the Yankees uh, in in just a couple of minutes. But 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 first, let's talk about the book that's coming out. And, you know, anybody who is a fan of the Yankees, who covers the Yankees, around the Yankees, works for the Yankees. Obviously, last year was so magical with Aaron Judge breaking the American League record, hitting 62 home runs, and um, I don't think people really got enough of it even as the season came to an end and Judge won the MVP, and and now you've got this book coming out about the season. Tell everybody a little bit about it, the reason for writing it, and how excited you are that it's uh, coming out this week. Yeah, I certainly hope people haven't gotten enough of it, but uh, yeah, it was a, a season unlike any I've ever seen. You know, I've covered this team since 2007, and we've had some Pursuits of milestones, obviously Derek Jeter, Alex Rodriguez chasing the 3,000 hit mark, for example, but nothing like this where there was such a uh, such pressure on it, so many different kind of angles to look at it. And remember, this was in the midst of a contract push. Uh, you've got the most recognizable player on the team, well, probably the face of Major League Baseball, arguably, and he's hunting down this historic Yankees franchise record, American League record, held by Roger Maris, 61 years to the date. And uh, you know, I think there were just so many cool parallels to draw between mm-hmm. these three great Yankee right fielders in Babe Ruth, Roger Maris, and Aaron Judge, all who played the same position in the same city at different times. But uh, it just uh, it, it was a magical year from start to finish, and Judge uh, really wire to wire had one of the most remarkable years that I've ever been fortunate enough to have a front row seat for, and now I get to share some of the uh, behind the scenes stories in that. You know, you, you mentioned the key word there, Brian, when talking about Aaron Judge last year, and that was pressure, and and you also mentioned Roger Maris there too, and so many people that were you know around for the '61 season when Roger hit the 61 home runs. It talked about the pressure that he was under. In fact, ironically, the Billy Crystal movie about that season was called 61 with the asterisk next to it. Uh, yep. um, and he talked a lot in that movie about you know, the pressure. People said that you know Roger's hair was falling out and he dealt with all the abuse from you know Yankee fans um, that you know, really wanted Mickey Mantle to break the record and not Roger Maris. 
what, what was what was Aaron Judge like last year? I mean, he's he seems seems so even keel all of the time, whether he's in a hot streak or or not in a hot streak. I think we saw him pressing a little bit at the end of the season as he was trying to break the record. For the most part, what was his temperament throughout the season last year? Yeah, his, his temperament was very steady, and I do think that. The pressure of the chase got to him at the end, specifically when people were flying in from all over the country and you had the Maris family there and you're cutting in on college football games for all of his at-bats. He felt that, um, and I think that he certainly, that was one of the rare periods during the season where he kind of got out of his swing a little bit. And because he is so laser-focused on just doing whatever he can to help the team win on any given day, whether it be offense or defense, if you're not getting any hits, go make a great play in the outfield. If you're if they're not giving you anything to hit, take your walk and then let your teammates do the damage. But that was a point where people were just showing up at the ballpark and all they wanted to see was Judge hit home runs, and it's all anybody was talking about. And I do think it got to him a little bit. And one thing he did tell me for this book was that late in the season, he and his wife Samantha actually watched that Billy Crystal movie that you mentioned, mm-hmm. and uh, he was kind of marveling at the connection there. And I, I still think probably to this day it quite, hasn't quite sunk in for him that he now belongs in that conversation, that he's forever part of that. And uh, that was, that's definitely uh, – it, it's pretty cool. But uh, uh, one thing I wanted to do in writing this book was uh, there's not many of those 1961 Yankees still with us. Unfortunately, uh, Roger has been long gone now. But I was able to chat with Bobby Richardson and Tony Kubek at length for this book, and I wanted to talk not just about what Roger did in 61, although it tells that story quite a bit, but I also wanted these guys' views as they're watching Aaron Judge chase this record, chase their friend down in uh, in 2022, and kind of just the difference of what it was like to be uh, in this Yankee clubhouse this year where there's Twitter and Instagram and all that compared to back in the day when you had the 20 reporters going around there. They're going to Roger's locker and they're going to Mickey's locker and then they go back to Roger again. And no wonder that Roger's hair was falling out because it was just a, <laughs> a completely different world to, to I, live in. I like, Brian, I don't know how you felt about that movie, but I really liked that movie. I know there's some probably some sports writers, uh, and I know this from you know a previous life of, of covering a lot of Yankee and, and Met games. And I know there were a lot of you know baseball writers that didn't like how Billy Crystal portrayed you know the writers in that movie. And there, there were a couple of points where, like, you know, the – the, the reporters went right up to the batting cage and would would talk to the guys and it's just it, it seemed like an awful lot I don't know if that was portrayed correctly but it just seemed like it was an awful lot of extra pressure to put on Roger Maris back well, then if that was portrayed correctly well Peter my understanding is that that is what it was like and you know I think the reason that seems so foreign to us is because you and I both live in this world where everything is kind of set up in a press conference, and mm-hmm. then you get the little the, the allotted time to go to the locker. You those guys back in the day, they were allowed to walk right up to the batting cage. They could pull Mickey Mantle on the jersey and say, "Hey, Mick, just another question for you." And then uh, they had all this time where they were allowed to just hang out in the, the locker room, where right up until first pitch, basically. And so, mm-hmm. uh, one thing I did find out for the book is that. Back in the day, Maris had a little plaster cast of a middle finger, and he would put this on his stool at his locker. And this is part of the reason why uh, the writers didn't like him very much at that time. A lot of these guys were around. There's the old timers from the Babe Ruth days, and they got this, you know, this guy from uh, who, you know, from, from Middle America, from uh, North Dakota, there 
who's uh, flipping them off basically in the clubhouse and telling them, I don't want to talk to you. And so I, I think that some of the guys took that the wrong way and that just increased the pressure on Maris. But uh, I think that uh, with judge, he is, uh, he has certainly handled the media very well since day one here in New York. We're talking to Brian Hoke from MLB. He covers the Yankees, also has a new book out called 62 about Aaron Judge. It comes out on July 11, so you want to check that out. And just to kind of tie up the loose ends about the book, you know, when you when you read a book about a story that you think you know everything about or you watch a documentary on TV um, about something that you may have lived through or, or already think you know, you want to try and learn something new about that subject. So when 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 we read your book, not that we want to give everything away because we want people to to buy the book and read the book, but give me a little something that you learned about Aaron Judge writing that book that maybe we didn't know about beforehand. Oh, I mean there's so much. I don't even know where to start with that, Peter, but uh one of the things that uh, comes to my mind, the first thing that comes to my mind is uh, I, I spoke to the guy who caught his number 62 home run ball, Corey Humans. And if you remember to roll the clock back, there was kind of this narrative that, oh, a rich guy caught the ball and he's just going to cash in. And it turned out that that was not the complete story. And actually, by talking to this guy, my opinion of it had flipped 180 degrees. Okay. Because I actually got to talk to this guy and I learned his story. And he wasn't rich. I mean, he did work for an investment company, but he was kind of a middle manager. He was a guy who basically his status symbol was a Costco card. He lived in an apartment. <laughs> he didn't have this mansion anywhere where, you know, he wasn't portrayed. He wasn't driving a Lamborghini, the ballpark or anything. He got a free ticket. And he caught a ball and then he got swept up in this where uh, everybody was kind of firing at him on the internet and social media. And it, 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 when you contrast it with what Sal Durante did in 1961, the, the teenager was out in right field and it, Roger Maris kind of tussles his hair and says, hey, kid, go get some money for the fall and good luck to you. Um, I, I think that uh, there was so much focus on this guy had caught a winning lottery ticket that people were really kind of yeah. angry about it in some ways. And uh, he, he told me that his wife actually called him uh, the night of the home run and said, hey, uh, can you get home? Because now there's all these sketchy people on our front lawn. Oh, and, God. Uh, what, yeah, and, uh, <laughs> and I don't know who's supposed to be here and who's not. And, so there was a lot more going on during that home run chase, and even people kind of just thrown into the mix by by pure coincidence that uh, there were a lot of different stories that I definitely wanted to tell in this book. What would you have done, Brian, if you caught the ball? Because I go, I've gone back and forth on it. Obviously, with a with a, a son that's a year away from going to college, and another son that's you know, uh, you know four or five years away from going to college. I wonder hey, if I would have sold that ball if I caught that ball and I sell it. I don't have to worry about their college educations. But then again, it would be pretty cool to hold on to that, that ball that made history. What would you have done? Yeah, I, I'd love <laughs> to say that I was going to bring the ball back to the clubhouse and offer it to Judge and uh, you know settle for a, a signed baseball or something. But seven figures is a lot to turn down. Yeah, so, uh, I, That is life-changing money right there. So I, I think that. <laughs> you probably have to think long and hard about it, I guess. But yeah, uh, yeah, and that and credit to the kid, by the way. I want to mention the kid. I think his name was Michael Kessler, and he was there for number sixty, and yeah. he caught number sixty. And he was all he, he. People thought that ball was probably worth at least ten thousand dollars, and he said, "I don't care. I just want to go meet Aaron Judge, and I want to take a picture with him." And so they brought him right down to the clubhouse, yeah. and he said, "It's his ball. He deserves it." And so uh, I, I thought that was pretty cool. There's yeah. a lot of there was a lot of different things like that, and Judge actually was able to get most of the balls back from fifty and up. 
Well, that's a good deal for him then. Uh, but I again, I probably would have sold the ball. I think I definitely would have would have certainly yeah. uh, sold it and at least be uh, noted for the one who who had caught it. But let's let's switch from Aaron Judge of last year to. Aaron Judge of this year, and a lot of Yankee fans, and even the you know the Yankees themselves, waiting patiently to find out you know when you know Aaron Judge is going to return to this Yankee lineup. He kind of gave a little bit of a, of a of a hint when he was on the Today Show the other day, saying, "Oh, you know, we'll see. We'll have the All Star break to rest a little mm-hmm. bit." Are are we any closer to finding out when he's going to return? Yeah, some of the people with a book about Judge coming out are, are very impatiently waiting to find out about that, too. <laughs> um, yes, I spoke to Aaron today, and uh, he's kind of weighing the idea of going to the All-Star game. He, he is kind of debating that. Um, he wants to go. He wants to you know, be part of the All-Star festivities out there, but it's also a long flight, and he, I, I think there's something to be said for that he could spend those three or four days uh, focusing on his rehab and recovery in New York. So I think... That is a tough call, and actually I'm not really sure which way he's going to go on that. I think there are probably people on both sides kind of pulling at him. Uh, so I feel like he's caught in the middle there. Obviously he can't play in the game, but he could still uh, be part of the festivities and be there for the home run derby and that. So I think there's appeal in that. And then as far as uh, his recovery, he is throwing. That's a good sign. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is able to hit off the tee. He's hit some soft toss. It's basically going to be a pain management situation when he comes back and nobody's ruling out the offseason surgery but uh the yankees really do believe he can come back this year i personally think he will be back at some point this year i think best case you're looking first week of august uh worst case a little bit later than that but i do think he's going to come back at some mm-hmm. point this year and uh look he said the other day that he's running he could run at about 10 percent right now and he's been doing some stuff on the treadmill Ten uh, percent is not going to cut it, but no. I think if you're Aaron Boone, if you're Brian Cashman, you can get Judge back up to fifty or sixty percent. Then I'm going to plug him in the lineup. I'll DH him, and I'll just take my chances with that. Yeah, I think that's probably the number the Yankees are looking for to get back some semblance, at least half of 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 a, of a full blown, you know, Aaron Judge. And and they obviously the Yankees have some decisions to make here as they head towards. The trading deadline, because as I touched on at the beginning of the show, uh, the return of Aaron Judge doesn't fix everything that's broken with with the Yankees. You know, today's win notwithstanding, and obviously it had to feel good for them to get the win after the last way the last few days went for them. But when you look at this current Yankee team, I mean, there's there's you know flaws up and down the lineup uh, in the in the rotation, and um, probably the bullpen is probably the most you know the, at least the back end that can. You know, the consistent part that it gets most of the work is is probably pretty reliable, but everything else is as far as the current Yankees is is in shambles right now. And I'm just you know wondering from your perspective, you know how the Yankees are going to view these next few weeks uh, into the summer and, and getting ready for the uh, for the trading deadline. Oh, I thought I thought I lost you for a second yeah. there. Uh, it, it has been tough to watch at times. I mean, it's been tough to watch basically since the day the judge ran through that wall in Los Angeles. And so, yeah, you kind of look at that as the mark of delineation of where things started to turn, but that can't be the only explanation for this team because they have so many big names offensively. And obviously John Carlson had a big day today and hit one of the farthest balls I've ever seen at Yankee Stadium. I don't think I've ever seen a ball hit up to where he hit that up at the ribbon board in left field. That was impressive. And maybe that's a sign that he can get something going here. But Anthony Rizzo is not hitting for any power at all. DJ LeMayhew still seems to be battling, and he's not back to where he should be yet. 
Josh Donaldson is having a strange year where he's got 14 hits and 10 of them have left the ballpark. Strange. So I, I'm not sure what to make of that. I mean, you're not going to argue with a with a home run one. Been some more hits here and there. So uh, yeah, while they still got to figure out without Judge, uh, there, there must be a formula for them to score some more runs. And I'm saying this on a day where they scored six, and that's that's nice. But uh, they really struggled the last two before that. So. I don't think they're out of the woods yet. I think they really could use some outfield help. Uh, you know, when mm-hmm. Cody Bellinger hits a home run yesterday, you kind of start thinking in your mind, well, he'd be a nice fit there, you know, left-handed bat and somebody who can play the outfield because uh, they, they definitely could use some help in left field. It's a situation where they went into the season. We had all kind of identified left field as the problem area, and they weren't able to fix it. They rolled in with Aaron Hicks, Oswaldo Cabrera, and I think we can all agree it hasn't worked out. Right. Um Isaiah Kiner-Falefa is doing his best out there when he when he's out there. The Jake Bauer just went on the IL. Uh, Billy McKinney's done a nice job filling in at times, but uh, I think that once you get to October, you don't want to be counting on a Billy McKinney. No offense. Mm-hmm. And so uh, they, you know, I think that while you keep the lights on for Judge to come back, I think Brian Cashman needs to go into this deadline right, looking for pitching, looking for uh, an outfield bat would be great. And, just trying to improve this roster any way he possibly can because uh, they have clearly not played up to expectations so far. A couple minutes left with Brian Hoke. He covers the Yankees for MLB and has his new book, 62, coming out on July 11th. A big topic of conversation today on the fan, really in recent weeks, has also been the Yankees' prospect pool. So when you head towards the trading deadline and you look at what the Yankees have in the minor league system, do they have the trade capital to, to get somebody or two that can help them here down the stretch. Yeah, I, I think they have pieces certainly that can interest teams. Uh, yeah, they don't have the the prospects that, for example, last year when they were trying to trade for Luis Castillo, uh, they were they were told that it was going to take Anthony Volpe, Jason Dominguez, and more. I don't think that they're going to make that kind of move no. in the deadline. But uh, looking at Oswald Peraza, I think is the name that I I would certainly consider moving in a trade if I were the Yankees because it, it seems like he's just blocked in New York and he's not getting an opportunity here. And so uh, I would certainly consider it. I would say that if, if a team calls Brian Cashman and wants to talk about Oswald Peraza, I would be interested in that because I feel like that's the kind of player it's going to take and you got to give to get. And so, uh, But certainly teams around the league are, are looking at his performance and now it seems like Volpe is turning it on offensively. Mm-hmm. I know a couple weeks ago people were saying, hey, send Volpe down, call up Peraza. Uh, you know, I, I listen to the panel as much as anybody. And so I, I heard all that too, but now that Volpe's got his swing back and he's made those adjustments and had that chicken parm, I, I think that uh, <laughs> may, maybe now you're, you're looking at a, a way to get Oswald Peraza at the big league level, and uh, with with the situation in the infield right now, I just don't see how you get him up here and get him any playing time. Last thing, Brian, give me your best sell job to a Yankee fan on why the Yankee fan should be optimistic here in the second half of the season that the Yankees, if they get into the playoffs, would have a chance to, to make some noise. Oh, my gosh. Uh, best sell job. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I'll say that I do believe that Aaron Judge is going to come back and he will help this Yankee offense. They can't possibly be as bad as they were last night where they got two they got two hits and one off Jamison Tyone with a uh, sky-high ERA. I think that brighter days have to come. Otherwise, it's going to be a, uh, a really tough summer to watch. And I was encouraged by having Carlos Rodon come back yeah. yesterday. I, I thought Rodon looked sharp. Um, and he, that's just the, the beginning there. He threw 69 pitches, I think, and 
five and a third innings. And so if that's the starting point, you put him and Garrett Cole at the front of the rotation. That's kind of what we spent all of spring training talking about was how that could really be a difference maker in a short postseason series. And uh, I, I, I like I like their chances with that. Um, they just need to figure out a way that they can get this offense cooking, score some more runs consistently because uh, that has really been a big issue and play tighter defense. But I think that defense you can work on. It's getting those runs on the board, getting more crooked numbers on the board. And uh, if they start scoring runs, then I like their chances a lot better. Brian, can't thank you enough for spending part of your Saturday night with me here on the show. Best of luck uh, down the stretch here with the Yankees covering them for MLB. And, of course, uh, the best of luck with the Book 62 coming out this week. All right. Thanks, Peter. Appreciate it. Brian Hoke from MLB. Check out his book. It's coming out July 11, 62, about the great Aaron Judge season of a year ago. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.